0: Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events,
1: the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Event Tech Podcast. That gentleman over there, he is the
0: gigantic Will Curran of Endless Events. Wait, this is very awkward. Because my random generator picked gigantic as well. Wow. I'm not kidding. Wow. What are the chances? I mean I did a list pull- of ten. I can give you a different one if you want. The fact that you even picked it though, and I it was my one single adjective. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I mean statistically this had to happen, right? Like how I'm wondering how big the list is of all these adjectives and what point we were gonna just happen to pick the same or repeat.
1: Well, and are, you, are you using randomwordgenerator.com?
0: I'm uh, randomlists.com. Oh, see, it's not, not totally. even the same generator. What are the chances? What are the odds? What are the chances? <laughs> well, yeah, that, that man over there is the gigantic Brand Kruger of <laughs> technology consulting. Brand. thank you so much.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a brand new year. It's a brand new week. It's a brand new year. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting. We wanted to take an opportunity to kind of look back Uh, Not only at 2019, but actually at the decade as we roll over into a brand new decade. And it has been an absolutely amazing decade once you kind of start digging in and looking back and I've been kind of compiling and, and looking through all of the uh, the decade retrospectives uh, you know in not only in technology but in in our world it's it really is quite amazing what all has happened just in this last 10 years like yeah. really that was just that was this decade what and that was this decade? <laughs> It's like it feels like that was you know 40 years ago for a lot of these things so we kind of wanted to take a step back like I say not only look at 2019 look at the decade in review look at the 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 technology and the event technology is obviously uh that's really influenced the event industry the most um, some of these things or you know some of these things will just be life influences uh, and also just things that we think are cool um but we as always we do try to
0: uh, you know bring
1: it back to event technology and
0: events oh absolutely and I, I i do i do have to echo your thoughts that it is crazy how much has happened in the last 10 years and uh how many crazy cool things have happened and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this one. So let's get into it. I don't, I'm not sure, you know, right away
1: at the beginning of the decade, it's probably the best place to start. Um, we're not going to do these all of these in, in in decade order, in time order. But, um, you know, literally right away in 2010 was probably one of the biggest things that influenced this whole decade. Uh, and that was the release of the iPad, um, which happened mm-hmm. actually the iPad 1 was in 2010. So it's, it, for me... What the? I, I was not super impressed by the iPad One. I remember at
0: first we made fun of it. Yeah, yeah we thought it was yeah. like just a big iPhone without iPhone abilities. It's <laughs> a terrible. It
1: was a terrible name. <laughs> you know, it's a, you know there was all kinds of things that it could compare to, all kinds of things that it sounded like that are inappropriate for for clean podcasts. And, and uh, you know, it's not really, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, but I definitely was not impressed uh, when it came out. Exactly. There was a lot of. It's just a big iPhone. It's just a big. You know, there were jokes of like people holding it up to their ear uh like like a big iPhone. Um but in the end as the decade has proven it has definitely proven to be one of the most influential products uh of the decade. Um and oh, for it me it was the iPad 2 where it clicked. Mm-hmm. And I'm not exactly sure why, but like I watched both of those um uh you know of those events. Um they weren't live streaming them at the time. They were just, you know, recorded and released later. Um and both of those events. And it was one of those uh, at least I don't think they were live streaming at that point. I
0: think they might have through QuickTime at that yeah, time.
1: Yeah, I th- yeah. I think it was really specific. Like it had to be through Apple.com um, and it had to be using QuickTime. Uh, oh man, those are the days. Uh, so, you know, we um so but what it really did is it really brought tablets to the mainstream. I mean, it's not like there weren't tablets. It's what Apple is so good at is taking something that already exists and refining it and bring it and making it a status symbol and 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 not you know something that everybody wants and everybody covets
0: yeah i i definitely i think uh it's crazy how it totally affected the fact that like android was still to this day is trying to create some sort of mainstream competitor to it but then also change computing forever too i mean we talked a lot about like for example the surface devices and things like that but like uh, how many you know computers now have touch screens how many mm-hmm. people want a 2 in 1 how many people want a touch screen tablet experience now is absolutely nuts
1: and yeah i mean it not only has it influenced and impacted that um it's, uh, yeah we wouldn't have the surface devices if it wasn't it wasn't for the ipad because it it showed that that the that the mainstream was ready for tablet computing um i i don't think we're quite there you know like like for for years where where you know Apple has been saying you know this can replace your computer you know even the ads you know what's a computer you know that kind of stuff <laughs> and you know I really don't think we're quite there I really like my iPad you know it's it 's one of the only feet I still have in in kind of the iOS uh, universe I'm drifting further away from Mac OS we've had those conversations on this show mm-hmm. before um, but that is just a solid device it's a solid device it really is a great device for you know for kids and graduate Grandparents alike, um, and so you know I think yeah I think it couldn't start at a better place what's you know what do you think of the influences of tablet computing when it comes to events I know we've touched on this a little bit in the past but I know you've got some strong opinions about it
0: yeah I mean we talked a little bit about how like for example the we say you need to ditch the binder and start using the tablet but I think that um, it made a much more – there there became this markup ability, I think, for example, like in site plans that never really existed before. Like if you wanted to draw on a plan, you had to use your mouse, and it was always terrible. No one ended up doing it, and I think that was one of the biggest things is like nowadays, like I can see people drawing on site site plans like all day long. Um, I think that – it also enabled the ability for us to do things like, for example, you look at every cash register across, like, the entire world now is all iPads, right? Like, everyone's always using that sort of thing. And oh, you you go to a, a lot works. of coffee
1: shops, to be fair. I think that's oh, – I yeah, wouldn't say true. every cash register. <laughs> I think that's okay, a lot of right. coffee and tea joints uh, <laughs> that's true. using okay. that technology. Touche, <laughs> touche. Not but so much like, Target also- or Kohl's.
0: <laughs> That, that's true. That's true. But like, look at, for example, the POS systems, uh, point of sale yeah. systems inside of convention centers. It used to be that, oh, if you wanted to have a bar or a food station, oh, it was this big, complex thing. I had to bring a register out and how they, we we're mm-hmm. going to do it. And sometimes it still is complicated. But now you can, you know, take, you know, have a, a, a food station somewhere really easily just because it has access to the Internet um yeah man, huge influence on songs? festivals food yeah all the food mm-hmm. service all those booths at festivals all
1: of those kinds of things those types of big events cash bar easy to roll one out but what about um you know it also remind, As you were going through that list it also reminded me of registration you know now it's so easy oh, we see yeah. people coming out you know you know it, it, almost everything is done now on or at least a lot of the registration platforms you know you just walk up to an ipad that's mounted on the uh, on the thing
0: there and way it goes Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, like how many how many times you're looking at registration platforms? How it has to have some sort of integration with iPad for sure, um, is huge. Um, yeah, I think those are kind of the the big things. But I think like just giving a lightweight device for people to use to look at documents and things like that has been like its biggest impact. Uh, whereas before, you know, yeah, if you want if you wanted to have your site plan on you and this whole run of show and everything like that, oh, you had to have a laptop, and no one wanted to carry around a laptop around your room. But now. It's ubiquitous. I think in events in so you see an iPad in someone's arm.
1: I'll throw one more out here on this on this topic. You know, where I kind of caught you. Kind of every you have these moments every now and then where you catch yourself and you're like, "Man, I'm living in the future." Um, and you know, this is not a huge deal. It's, it's it might be kind of obvious, but it was one of those moments for me where I kind of went, "Man, I'm living in the future." Where I was uh, I was running some audience engagement tech. And I was running it all off of my iPad, uh, so I had you know my little like hand strap, and so I was running around from room to room. But I was literally w- keeping tabs on what was going on in the other rooms uh, because each room had its own you know questions and polling and things like that attached to it. So I was sitting in, sitting in one room, making sure it was going off well there, and then keeping track of you know and watching polls go live and you know watching the slides being presented uh, in the other room. And I was just like, man. I'm living in the future. I can do all of this from my tablet, um, you know, including you know, like I said, launching polls, showing results, all of that kind of stuff from a, from a completely different room. And honestly, it could have been the other side of the world. You know, it, it was all internet connected, so it didn't have to be. The fact that I was in the room next door was almost irrelevant. I could have been anywhere.
0: Totally, totally. Well, I think you bring up a, uh, like also just slightly mentioning it was that fact that like it was a larger iPhone, as we joked about it. But (laughs) I I, I think that's on our list as one of the the big ones was this is kind of like the decade of the smartphone, um, as we say. And and technically, um, you you have a good point that, for example, the iPhone, most people say, well, isn't that 2007 when the iPhone first came out? Well, yeah, but let's be honest, mass adoption Mm -hmm. didn't happen until this decade. Um, and in 2010 was when the, uh, iPhone four came out. Um, and I, I think that's when mass adoption of the iPhone started to happen.
1: That was on an awful lot of lists. So like I said, I was kind of, you know, in preparation for this episode, looking at a lot of people's retrospectives and that was on a lot of lists was, was was the iPhone four. Um, and then rapidly followed by the iPhone five, you know, those two Mm -hmm. phones really brought yeah, you know, and when you look back and you look at it, that's the classic style iPhone with the home button, uh, um you know it's just you know it just screams iphone um and it's definitely. the ones that you know are still being used when you you know when you want to show uh specifically you know an iphone icon or 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 something like that it's got that round home button you know all of those kinds <laughs> of things even though those are mostly gone at this point so a very very influential phone you're absolutely right
0: well i mean like this is definitely i mean like I, I, one of the things you asked us said to pick one thing that you think was the, the technology of the decade this is mine yeah. i think All these other things that we're going to talk about, I think none of them would have happened without smartphone adoption being as ubiquitous as it is now and as widespread and as important as it was. I think almost none of this stuff would have happened if it wasn't for the smartphone. And just think about also its impact, not even just think about the events industry right but just society in general but Mm. then start to think about specifically since we're the event tech podcast how it affected events like this idea of oh disconnect put your phone down um (laughs) you know um oh hey event apps for example wouldn't have existed right it would just be just registration platforms and everybody be maybe checking their email or whatever it may be right like we talked about qr codes and um you know near-field communication with bluetooth and I mean, I feel like I just can go on and on about all the things that didn't exist before we had smartphones, and we wouldn't have today.
1: It, you know, you're at, you're really right. I think to choose this as being one of the most influential things of the decade. Mine's going to be similar. I'll hold off on it because I think we'll come <laughs> back around to it, but it definitely related to this. And you're 100 percent right. I mean, this this ability of having, uh, you know, a supercomputer in your pocket um you know and and having the majority of attendees in you know uh, north you know at least in our world right you know in north america um and most of the places that we travel to um having most of your attendees having those it's very rare these days i was i was kind of going back and looking at some of the discussions from uh you know early early 2010s uh, early 20 teens um where we were talking about still having issues with, you know, what do you do with attendees that don't have an, a smartphone in their pocket, you know, that don't have one yet? You know, so at the, at the beginning of the decade, you know? we, yeah, at the beginning of the decade, we were still having that discussion of, you know, what do we do, you know, when, when we have an attendee that doesn't have a cell phone? I mean, I can't think of the last time that question's been asked.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think everyone like, oh, they don't have a smartphone? Uh, right. very are nothing about there's it. There's still so people. Funny.
1: Yeah, so go ahead. Yeah. No, I was saying there's still people that say, are doing we'll,
0: it, but not, not very many. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering what the next thing is going to be in the 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 events industry. That's going to be like that, right? Like, oh, like oh, maybe it's. I don't know. We we, we have a uh, obviously step further down the list. Yeah, maybe maybe it's. Yeah, maybe it's. Oh, yeah. Oh, they don't have a. Uh, they don't have gl- augmented reality glasses. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah psh, it might be. You know. What yeah, yeah. I don't know. You don't yeah. have. <laughs> you don't,
1: oh, you don't have the contacts yet. You don't have the AR yeah, yeah. contacts in yet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> What do we do about our level attendees level. that are slow to adopt this new technology? <laughs> I mean, but those that's how we were referring to it, right? That's what yeah, we were totally. saying is, you know, what do we do about our slow adopters that are, you know, just don't want a cell phone, don't have a cell phone? Um, or if they do, you know, it's still a feature phone, a candy bar phone, you know, totally. one of those things. So, yeah, those that absolutely, uh, you know, amazing to look at those, you know, going from that level where nobody, you know, where we were still having that conversation mm-hmm. to, to today where we just assume. You just assume everyone has not only one, but two, three devices at this point. (laughs) Totally.
0: Well, it's funny, too. I mean, like, you think about, too, like, maybe a a, a very, like... Very further down the line Impact of this But um, Is that You know For example Let's look at Spotify Spotify mm, probably yeah. Wouldn't be as popular If it wasn't for the fact That you could have Streaming to your phone And pick any song At any given moment But think about how much Like That does let, Let's look at the social impact uh, The social events industry uh, Side of things Where for example Like I can't imagine Being a DJ nowadays Where you have any song On your phone At any given moment And how it's created this Like I mean this is just me As like Ranting as a a former DJ, but like how everyone has like a a small niche, like taste of music that they think is like oh this song's the greatest song I've ever heard, but they don't realize like no one else in that room has heard it before, right. and that wouldn't be possible for the fact that like you know streaming straight to the phone, having the ability to have access to any phone, any song, anytime, at I, I any given moment. The, and the crates
1: of albums and CDs that you would have to lug in, I mean, you know, literally that would be half your gear as a DJ uh, <laughs> in, in the times when, uh, you know, or at least during while I was working the fence. More, <laughs> uh, you probably were never had to do that. But, um, you know, just the crates and crates and crates because you would ha- and you would be limited to just those songs. You know, you, yeah, you, totally. if you
0: didn't bring it, you couldn't play it. Well, even, like, MP3s now, like, if you didn't download it the night before and then listen to it and had it loaded up in your software, but now, like, there's softwares where, like, I can put a hotspot – talk about – yeah, I mean, let's talk about – hotspots didn't exist as well, but, like, the fact I can put a hotspot and use Spotify to mix songs using, you know, DJ Pro or half of these DJ softwares now have some sort of streaming element to it, like – mind-blowing
1: well and and to 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 once again bring it around uh, you know the, we're to the point now where it's just assumed um that you know the sound person back at the soundboard has the ability uh you know to get any song ever recorded at any moment yeah, in time totally. and instantly cue it up to the point you know where they want it you know and there's some sound people that can handle that uh and there's some that just can't you know you can just see they're like wait you want me to do what um <laughs> you know and we're like yeah we, you know just uh, the, it's it's but it's five minutes before doors and the CEO is telling you, yeah, I want to walk up to Thunderstruck, but I don't want it to start at the beginning. I want it to start at this point in time, you know, you know, the part where it gets big, <laughs> you know, and it's just assumed that we can do that on the fly. And, uh, you know, for the most part we can, but we still like to have a little notice. Totally. <laughs> um, so, so, friendly tip out there, uh, as you're dealing with your AV crews that, uh, sound people are not necessarily DJs, um, <laughs> That's very true, and can't man, just bring sure. stuff up, uh, at a time. Uh, by the way, I did work an event where they brought in a DJ whose sole responsibility during the general session was to handle that's, those requests. That's my like, recommendation. It's sure. really it was really nice. He was really good at it and doing exactly what that, where like the person rolls up right before they walk on and say, I want to walk up to this, and then he would mm-hmm. like just grab it and cue it up to the big spot and make it go. So oh, yeah, wow. a little tip pro tip for you there. You know, you touched on the the hot spot, Will. I think, you know, let's broaden this out a little bit and talk about 4G um, because that's obviously going to influence our, our 5G discussions as we go into 2020. Oh, yeah. and it definitely heavily influences my opinion uh, of, of how the 5G rollout is going to be because, I mean, I'll ask you this. Do you feel like we've actually finished rolling
0: out 4G? Oh, no, no, totally not <laughs> at all. I mean, it's yeah. crazy to think, I mean, like we were doing the reflection for this this episode and I, I didn't even think about the fact that 4G is so ubiquitous. Well, so it's it's not 100% rolled out, but right. like it's also in so many places that I couldn't believe that the, I I had to remember when did 4G first hit the iPhone? It was the iPhone 5. So we're talking about the iPhone 4 right. being like the big release, but it wasn't until the iPhone 5 that 4G was, you know, so common. And, you know, it's crazy to think that, That only existed the last 10 years. Like the ability to download a file very quickly, to stream music instantly in high quality. I mean, like, I was streaming music with my iPhone 3, but, you know, not like immediately high quality, like, um, or, or even talking about this. Oh my gosh, like streaming video. Onto your phone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we were talking about it before the show, and so we looked it up. And so the Sprint Evo was the first 4G phone released in the summer of 2010. So it's been almost exactly 10 years since those initial 4G phones started rolling off the uh, factory line
0: and I got a get story around this one and this um feel free to definitely draw parallels to 5G everyone so um I remember one my friend Brandon and I shouts to Brandon um for and we are super tech nerds like like Brandon and I are tech nerds Brandon and I are like pfft. Like we're always talking about the newest phone coming out and things like that, right? so um anyways, when he got ended up getting the Sprint Evo because he's like the first 4G phone, and we were all super excited for it, and I think I had like the oG droid at that point, um, and I was still on 3G and I remember he got the Evo and he's like, i'm so excited for 4G it says it's coming to Phoenix, you know, and this year, <laughs> and I remember he got it, and he was so excited he ended up never getting 4G ever in phoenix via sprint in fact verizon ended up getting it first he invested all his money in getting a 4g phone he only got to use it for like 10 minutes during a layover in switzerland you know in 2011 (laughs) and you know it was just so funny and i think that you can specifically draw an exact parallel to 5g that you know they came out the phones are coming out you can get it in fact they're saying it's in phoenix it you know verizon announced you know a couple weeks ago they're in 30 different markets but yet no one's going to end up seeing it and it wasn't, I think, I ended up a, two, a year and a half later getting, I think, the uh, Droid Bionic, and it was my first 4G phone. And I remember I got 4G before he did on Verizon, even though Sprint was the first. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the way it's going to be. And so so yeah, we want everybody to go back and check
1: out the episode that we did on 5G on this. Um, as this episode gets released, if I'm remembering the release schedule, uh, Will, you and I will be actually speaking at PCMA's convening leaders about 5G. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if you happen to catch this episode uh, when it's released on the 6th, I believe we're going to be doing that on the 7th, January 7th uh, yes. at PCMA. So if you're there, be sure and stop by and check it out. And we can definitely go deeper dive into 5G but like I said it was kind of worth going to remember that we've had 10 years on on 4G at this point and it's still sketch <laughs> from time to time so you know so so you know ease up a little bit folks on your enthusiasm for 5G because we're still we're still working out the kinks in 4G but it's 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 pretty good at
0: this point I will say Definitely, definitely. Well, I I, kind of like uh, mentioned it. I wanted to make sure that we also brought up this idea of reflecting in the last year. But uh, in 2010, uh, 4K video came to YouTube for the first time. And Mm. I think this decade has also been the year of streaming video and video becoming so ubiquitous that, you know, almost the point where now they're saying, hey, it's not about writing blog posts. It's about creating video content, right? Everything's video, video, video. And I think looking back on it, if it wasn't for 4G and, you know, everything like that, now we're all about the super high quality i mean you use you see literally youtubers using cinematic quality cameras yeah to shoot their tech reviews <laughs> it's mind-blowing and like the the quality of video has gone up tremendously from you know 2010 i'm i'm just gonna have to look up and see if i can find like a video quality of like an iphone 4 well, right. well i'm sure you have oh some i'm sure it was less than video hd quality. at
1: that point mm-hmm.
0: As yeah, far sure as what was, the actual
1: definitely. screen quality was, yeah, the, I know uh, Alex Lindsay, who is uh, one of the one of the other OG uh, live streamers uh, on the planet, um, uh, did an episode uh, of uh, MacBreak Weekly, one of the Twitch shows, uh, in 4K because 4K was now available on YouTube, and so uh, I, I think he said it, it took like a week to render at that point in time oh my, in order to get wow. it, in order to render I want to say it was something like that where it was like chugging away uh, you know his machines were chugging away um, you know 24 hours a day for almost a week in order to push that out at that time and now like you said we've got you know YouTubers running 8k cameras uh, to record the the new MacBook uh, or not the MacBook but the new Mac Pro uh, the cheese grater you know machine that sells for $60,000 <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> That's the point right they're using those cameras so that they can show how
0: easily those edit on on that machine and why it's worth $60,000. Totally. I'm watching a video quality of an iPhone 4. Um, John Rediger, Red, Red, Redinger, I think, he's techno buffalo guy. Um, he did a. He's just shooting raw footage on it, and it's so, the video quality is so shaky. And here's the best part: the video quality is 720p, not even mm-hmm. full 1080p. So technically HD.
1: technically HD. What they call?
0: Yeah, HD, not full HD, yeah, right? Yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just never understood like why we have like we should just HD should have been 1080p. I don't consider 720p to be HD at, at that point, but it's crazy. Like you can see the like you see all this jiggly, like mm. the what they call it. Um, I forget what they call that specifically in cameras. But now they like if you have that in a phone camera, people are like, oh, this is a crap camera. This right. is of pus. Oh, it doesn't auto stabilize the video. Oh, it doesn't shoot <laughs> 60 frames per second 4K. Right. Like <laughs> whereas like this, at least I can see that that's a cat.
1: You know I think that 's worth uh taking a quick a quick sub uh, division on and just talking about the fact the the amazing uh increase in quality of phone cameras um, you know even just going back and looking at you know i 've got some pictures of my daughters you know when they were you know babies um, that I took on my cell phone. And, you know, compare that to, you know, where I'm at with my Google Pixel 4 right now uh, is unbelievable, both in resolution and quality. You know, literally now, you know, you can do a framed... Uh, 8x10, if not larger, pretty easily off of a cell phone shot. You know, I've actually got one of my wife and I uh, that we just did a selfie uh, on the beach and it was like, wow, that's an amazing shot. Let's see how it turns out. And we were able to get a full, you know, nice quality 8x10 out of the selfie camera on her phone. (laughs) Um, So not even like the rear camera. So, you know, that's got to be something that's definitely influenced uh, our events over the course of this last decade is the quality, A, A, the fact that everybody's got a, a, a camera in their pocket. Um, that's a whole discussion right there as well, but also just the, the fact that the quality has gotten so much better that you can, you know, you can, as a production company, let's say, or as a planner, you know, wander through your event with your cell phone and get, you know, publish quality, you know, publishing quality photos of your event uh-huh. that you can immediately turn around and put on your webpage totally. or send to the client to say up and running looks amazing or post on, you know, Pinterest, Instagram, you know, for, for publicity purposes. Now step back and talk about the 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 positives, <laughs> the positives and negatives of having uh, everyone have a camera in their in their pocket and and, and how that influences events.
0: Well, you, talk, you bring up a really good point too, is the impact it had on events. Is like because we have such good quality video now, the standard for quality video is higher. So, like when you're capturing, you mm-hmm. know, your IMAG, your image magnification on stage, or you know, you're doing your B roll and you're like, you know, your day edits. Like the fact that people want same day edits of their conferences is crazy. Like you would never have seen that ten years ago. People would be like, "Oh, I have to edit a video and do all this." Oh, there's no way you can do it in a day. There's no way you could have it done yeah. by the, the evening of. But I mean, that also brings into the idea of like live stream right like i mean like this also then brings in the whole new live streaming um thing which you know live streaming was like we we're talking about kind of was starting to exist but now it's so ubiquitous and easy but you know 10 years ago no one would ever have said oh we're having to have a conversation of is live streaming taking away tickets from my audience everybody be like no the only way you can experience and even see what's going on stage is in person but now it's like oh my gosh i can have this cinematic experience um over uh you know the internet and i, I mean it's just i think it's because of video quality and you know and compression specifically too I mean we're starting to get nerdy stuff has gotten so much better as well so well
1: I'll throw I'll throw one more on to that um, the you know I think I think you're right at this point that that now there's a higher expectation of video quality but for a while it worked in the other direction where because people were looking at stuff on their phone and because they were looking at crappy YouTube videos and stuff like that I think there was a downgrade in quality for a few of the years in the middle of the decade where you know I think people were used to looking at crap you know, crappy footage. And so that's what we started receiving, you know, from from folks. And so, you know, we want to put together a video of our, you know, uh, sales managers congratulating their team person of the year. And you would get this awful awful cell phone shaky cam footage and be expected to edit it all together into an hd you know panoramic (laughs) screen you know that they want to use for their opening video and i really struggled with that for years kind of in the middle of the decade because you know i was wanting to put together the highest quality thing possible and what i realized was that people didn't care you know they you know because they were used to shaky cam cell phone footage you know, they were fine with seeing that on a giant big screen. <laughs> um, and, but I think, like you said, I think we've started to evolve past that where now we're expecting high, and I think, again, because the cameras got so much better in the phones, um, you know, that now we expect to see that high quality again.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we talked a little bit about YouTube, but obviously you also teased into social, uh, more places for people to share photos and video. And I know this was a big one for, for you, but we had 10 years ago, we didn't have Instagram.
1: Yeah. What?
0: Or it might have been released right around there, but I know Facebook bought them in 2012.
1: Yeah, that was um, when it got huge. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, didn't yeah.
0: Th- th- No, it was such a niche network before then. And now it's the almost the largest network, I think now. Um, but just, I mean, one thing to think about. I mean, this, again, this goes more. October sixth,
1: twenty ten, was the release of Instagram. So well, just go, snuck perfect, in. right nice. in the ten, are nice. right in the
0: decade. Historically accurate, we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I was just going to say, like the the whole idea of like counting likes and do it for the gram, yeah. right? And like Instagram moments for events. Mm-hmm. None of that existed before. No one, no one cared about taking pictures and showing off where you were. I think that all came in the last ten years,
1: absolutely, and I remember everyone like going you know because Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars, and at the time it was like a billion dollars for an app. Are you kidding me <laughs> that 's the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard it was, you know I mean, you know and and I think uh, let me grab the let me grab the number quick, but uh you know I'm trying to find out what Microsoft towards the end of the decade bought LinkedIn for because it's quite a contrast. So while I look that up if you want to just continue to expound on on the uh, the uh, impact of social media and on uh,
0: 26.2 million that's, on I wanted the... to say 26 I didn't want to be A wrong. A billion, 26.2 billion. Yeah, tw- point, 2 so, billion. Yeah.
1: so 1 billion dollars for for Instagram uh, and then Microsoft bought LinkedIn for 26 <laughs> billion dollars by the end <laughs> of the year.
0: And I don't I I have trouble saying they didn't get their money's worth out of that. Oh for sure. I mean Jesus. I mean they found they I mean I don't think they predicted that 10 years ago that Facebook was no longer going to be the cool social media network and now in fact it's on a decline uh, according to if you'd ask any like 10 year olds Um, and but you know I mean the fact that they have been able to stay so relevant probably has a lot to do with Instagram but let's talk about also just I think social media in general because I mean you know this idea of sharing photos and Mm -hmm. I mean all these things like that really has taken hold over the last 10 years and talking a lot about like having social media detoxes and things like that we've started to talk about that sort of stuff on event brew a little bit our, our other podcast but I mean just how much social media has changed how people view why to go to events, but also what they're doing at the events. How do they connect with people leading up to the events? Because, I mean, I'm just thinking about, for example, six years. Six years? We've done six years for event icons. Is that right? Did we just celebrate six years? (laughs) Something like that. Um, I just remember not going to my first IMAX, and I didn't know anybody. And if it wasn't for Twitter and social media – no one would have known who I was. And right. like that totally changed my experience going to events because people – I was able to get a jump start into attending these events and meeting people because of my, my social media activities and stuff like that.
1: And I was 100 percent the same way. Uh, it, my, my, my get in was with Twitter and uh, you know that's how I started meeting. Uh, Twitter was what got me out of my own little network. Uh, You know, I I really do credit it, by the way, the first episode of Event Icons was December 3rd, 2015, so it's been four years years of, uh, yeah, Um, you know, was what got me out of my little shell Uh, and, you know, because I was in the industry for over, you know, almost 15 years at that point and had, you know, not met anybody outside of the company I worked for really and a couple of clients and so that's what kind of started to get me out of my shell, got me blogging, got me, you know, listening to podcasts, all of that kind of stuff, So absolutely huge, huge, huge um, uh, influence. Uh, You know, social media has changed the conversation positive and negative i mean social media has changed the conversation around events like you say where we talk about detoxes we talk about when is it appropriate you know to have your phone we touched briefly on the fact that everybody has a camera in their pocket that's really impacted how financial and medical meetings are, are planned you know they have to plan for hey guys these are the moments where you can't have your phones out because this is confidential and private information you can't leave the company also talking about how you behave At events, you know, that you've got, you know, this... Uh, because again, everybody's got a camera in your pocket. If you get sloppy, stupid, drunk at a at a corporate event, you know, good chance somebody's going to record it and it gets back to your boss or to a client or something along those lines. You know, so you really have to be much more aware of how you behave at an event if you're having any kind of uh, public or business or private life that might be influenced by that. Um, you know, things like filter bubbles, influencers. You know, just we've talked about on this show. You know, how do you get your event app uh, into the hands of more of your attendees and how to use influencers to do that. You know, you get them on there and pre-populate the app with community and conversation and you get those folks involved. So it really has impacted
0: how we design our events from the ground up. I think it's also, uh, I mean, a small, like, little micro thing that, I mean, there was, I think meet and greets were always really a big part of events, and people were always excited to meet celebrities and things like that, but, like, just the pop-up of, like, Comic-Cons and things like that, the idea of, like, getting the photo op mm-hmm. is, like, exactly. just that all, events literally have been created based on the fact that social media existed. Like, for example, we had our Minecraft convention that we were doing for many years, and it was all based on kids who had great YouTube channels. Right. YouTube's a social media network, and how they did that it. It's just crazy. But I, I was jokingly saying. The the positive and yeah, there's definitely the negative (laughs) side, and I think the worst of the worst happened this last decade um, when it came to it, and that was Fire Festival. Oh yeah, and how and how you can show how social media can not only create an event but also destroy it almost instantaneously.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the perfect confluence of 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 you know social media and events. I mean it's it's, it's not surprised. So that was April twenty seventeen uh, when that was hard to believe. That's already you know uh, two years, years ago, um, yeah, almost three. I can't um, I can't count. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. And and you know that was a perfect example of you know using influencers to promote your event. Um, and then the damage that can come from, you know, pe- people having a camera in the pocket. You know, we, we heard Andy King, uh, you know, afterward, you know, saying, I think it was at one of the connect events that, you know, if you could change one thing, what would it be? And he's like that damn cheese sandwich, you know, <laughs> you know, that there was the cheese sandwich that he thinks he thinks they could have pulled it off still, you know, that, that even though with everything that they'd gone through, with all of the adversity that they'd gone through, he thinks if that stupid cheese sandwich hadn't been, uh, you know, posted on Line and you know that that he probably could have still pulled it off and i think to a certain extent that's the hubris that we all have that you know know what know what nope we can pull it off we can do it we can do it you know and i think it's very easy for us to all sit back and look at that and say well i wouldn't have gone that far i wouldn't have done that but you know deep down inside we all just want to make the make the event go um I think there's plenty of us that if you dropped us into that situation, we would have been into it you know into the end, um, just trying to figure out a way to make it go because that's that's how we tend to be so yeah, no need to to, to linger on that too terribly long you know on the details, but I think it's an, it is a perfect example of of you know looking at that that confluence of influencers and what can happen when things go horribly wrong
0: absolutely, absolutely it can well, destroy your I, event, it can make it so oh, your event oh, never oh, happens absolutely. again.
1: <laughs> Absolutely,
0: literally, literally. Well, um, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, out of transitions into how I'm gonna get. I've been so impressed by how many transitions I've made into to the next topics, but this one um, is a little bit more abrupt, and you could say that we couldn't get it done on autopilot. <laughs> um, but I. Do, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, dude, so yeah, I threw, some, I threw some ones in here that
1: were just more like big picture stuff. So yeah, yeah, but maybe a nicely, like fire round,
0: ra- fire round. Ra- maybe we do a fire round of topics. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, there we go. You're definitely not on autopilot. I'm not. I'm not at all. But well, we we talked about in the last ten years, Tesla really taking hold and uh, becoming a mainstream car um, provider. And now we're talking a lot about electric cars and yeah. how that affects, for example, buses for events. Um, how people get in from you know different other places. But the transportation side, I think, is the next big area that we're going to see a huge transition in um, when it comes to the events industry. What's kind of your thoughts around that?
1: It's already been impacted. And the reason I threw Tesla on here is because I feel like it helped mainstream the idea of, of electric cars. I think it helped mainstream the idea that there's things we can be doing in our, I mean, electric cars have been around forever. I mean, literally almost as long as gas powered cars, we've had the ability to do electric cars, but you know, someone, it took someone to kind of make it cool. It took someone to kind of make it, you know, sexy and flashy and nerdy, you know, to take it, you know, it really hit at exactly the right time to take advantage of a lot of the money in Silicon Valley. And that, that nerd cool, that kind of, it's, it's, it's almost like it's in beta, you know, kind of, kind of thing. So being able to, um, uh, Really take that, you know, and make it make it part of the consciousness, much like the phone, right? Much like Apple did with the with the iPhone, you know, being able to bring it to the coach. So that's why I wanted to throw that on there because I do think it's helped be a part of the conversation we're having so many conversations now in our events about sustainability about you know being able to you know do our events have it be carbon neutral about being able to reduce our carbon footprint on our events and i think that just is part of the conversation you know by making it mainstream it makes it easier
0: for everyone to get involved in that
1: conversation
0: definitely i agree 100% i mean talking about another technology that also impacted i think the events industry and probably more than Potentially electric cars, but ride sharing Mm. like before when you need to go from the airport to the convention center use a taxi when you needed to go to you know the, the 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 gala dinner if you missed the bus it meant you were walking or you had to take a taxi <laughs> again I'm, I don't so the tough part is like I, I I'm, I'm at the generation right when I would start taking taxis a lot which is like when you're turning like 21 and you're like starting to go out and everything like that for for everyone who wants to to, to, to make fun of me on how young I am um, I turned 21 in 2011 so in this decade mm-hmm. so the idea of regularly using a cab would have happened for me in this decade but instead we had uber and you know now lyft is huge as well but we had the ability to literally talk about smartphones again having a big impact call a car and it comes and picks you up on the spot but I mean just talk about how that impacted events in general now it's you know it's not uncommon for people to say oh we don't have a bus that takes you from the airport to the hotel Just call an Uber. And everyone's okay with that. Oh, hey, how am I supposed to get around to get to the gala because I missed the bus? Take an Uber. Or even better yet, like how now events like talk about festivals and big uh, sporting events have to have a plan for where all the Ubers are going to come in Mm -hmm. and out and all these ingress egress plans. Like all that sort of stuff. I mean we literally had an event for Uber – that was <laughs> about how to get people – it was literally an event created to keep people entertained while they waited for the hundreds of Ubers coming every minute to come people, pick people up from a golf tournament. Like just yeah. absolutely mind-blowing that none of that existed 10 years ago.
1: Yep, exactly, and and it really has changed again the conversation around transportation. Just being having having that as a backup, having that as a primary option. Even um, I remember so vividly, and I'm still annoyed to it to this day <laughs> that that, <laughs> that you know uh, Uber actually reached out shortly after they launched uh, in in Minnesota uh, to, to to connect with destination management companies and you know uh, event companies, and you know we were doing a lot of transportation. Transportation, uh at, at that time uh, with the company I was working at, and uh, I brought it to to some of the higher ups and said, "I think this is something we need to get in on and you know they were looking for partners they were looking for people to work with it, and they were like they saw it as a threat. Um, You know, to the traditional models of transportation of motor coaches and arranging black cars and things like that and said, no, we don't want to have anything to do with that. And I was just like, you are missing out on an opportunity. I'm telling you, you're missing out on an opportunity here because I had seen already how it had blown up in San Francisco area. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Minneapolis was actually relatively early on uh, in, in their expansion. And like I say, it still kind of annoys me to this day. But you know, that's that happens in business all the time, right? Where you know an opportunity is brought, and it's like, well, that 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 may impact our current business model, so we're gonna choose to ignore it and stick our fingers in our ears and go la 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 la. <laughs> um, you know, and it absolutely has. I can tell you. I can. I don't even need to know the numbers. I can tell you that they probably don't book as many black car services for executives and things like that because they can do it themselves now.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah,
1: huge, huge influence on the industry in general, huge, huge uh, opportunity, uh, you know, and and I think it's going to be something to continue to watch as we move on. Um, uh, You know, this idea that we can just hop in a car with a stranger based on an app that we download (laughs) on our phone, which
0: sounds really ridiculous, but you know, I use it every trip now at this point. I use it every day. Uh Yeah. Um, well, talking about technologies that we we talked a little bit about 5G and how it might be like a non-technology for a while for the, for a little bit of time, but we also talk a lot and joke a lot about it during the uh, the tech reviews every year, but um, the Oculus and the VR kind of craze going on. I feel like this one we only need to kind of put a pin in, but we have obviously mentioned that VR was non-existent 10 years ago. Yeah. Is it going to affect the industry massively in, in this te- this decade? Well, I can tell you it has made so many conversations about if it's going to, but I haven't quite seen it yet at this point. I don't know if you have any thoughts as far as how Oculus affected the events industry, Brent.
1: I do. This is another one that was on an awful lot of lists. And so I had to kind of think about it a little bit. And And I think the reason is it's, it's kind of the... Uh, AR and VR hitting their teenage years, you know, so if, you know, the early, the early kind of 80s, you know, kind of awful VR stuff was maybe the, you know, the, the infancy. Um, you know, obviously it goes back even further than that if you want to get, you know, super into it. But, you know, this idea of putting something on your head and going into a virtual world has been around for a while. But I think totally. it kind of hit its teenage years, uh, this decade where it's like, hey, you know, this is, this is kind of fun and it doesn't make me nauseous. And, you know, the technology kind of caught up. Uh, to the point, and that's that's what oculus recognized uh, you know oculus and uh, lucky what's his face uh uh you know um you know realized that uh they were they were able to make the technology work at this point that the computers were powerful enough, the displays were good enough you know that you know you don't get the screen door effect so much um and then Google also helped by by releasing um cardboard Google, cardboard. And this idea of being able to take a smartphone and drop it in, um, you know, it hasn't taken off as much as I thought it would because there's so many, you know, cool things that you can do with that cheap, inexpensive, uh, you know, AR uh, and Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, VR experience. Um, So I'm a little surprised that more people haven't, you know, embraced that and, you know, gone back and had their, you know, promo videos redone
0: and stuff like that because it's a perfect trade show thing. Oh, totally, totally. Well, I think that we – so, I I mean, I don't like to make predictions, but I've been reading a lot. I'm, I'm very tight in the VR space because I have a, a full VR setup in my living room and, like, connect to the computer, wireless headset. You know, like, I've spent money on this to make this awesome. <laughs> right. Well, um, for most people knowing, I don't think we can cap it in this year because I think it's going to be a, in the next 10, 10 years, but – the release of the Oculus Quest, I think, is mm. the big step forward for VR. This idea that now you don't need a computer at all, and you're not getting a cheap experience. You're getting the same level of experience that I have with you know, a $1,000 computer, a $1,000 headset, you know, all these things like that. And then now they're doing hand tracking without any controllers. I think we're this next... And I've seen many, many, many articles about this, that the next decade is the decade of VR. Now that the Oculus Quest has moved forward, and I think now... HTC is gonna have to catch up. I think that the Valve index. I mean, just I mean, look at this year alone. I mean, this is me maybe getting on my high horse a little bit. But um, <laughs> high horse this, away, so, right? my friend. It's, it's it's your
1: turn. I usually do.
0: <laughs> so this year uh, at on uh, Black Friday, every single VR headset across all major retailers was sold out. All Oculus Quests. All Valve indexes, HTC Vive is completely sold out. I mean, other than maybe get, picking up the HTC Vive Pro, which is a little bit more of a high-end device, but it's completely sold out, and that is obviously a show that now demand is outstretching supply. And I think it's because people are going, "Oh, I I have a high-end PC. It's re- I want this Valve system so I can play the new Half-Life game. Oh, I, I don't need a computer anymore. I can use the H the 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 the, the Uh, Oculus Quest. I think is just really exciting for what's going to come. I don't know how it's going to affect the industry. I mean, we always talk about maybe it will replace events in some ways, but I think that the more devices getting in people's hands, the more it's going to roll out more.
1: I think you're 100 right. It's it's you're right. You're right a lot on this episode, by the way. And so, just save that in your back pocket for the <sighs> times when I'm telling you that you're wrong. Um, yeah, I'm, tell, I'm telling you <laughs> that you're right a lot on this episode. Um, it, it, I, again, I kind of go back to this idea that it's it's in his teenagehood, and and it, you know what it feels like to me. And and you're you're kind of a gamer, so maybe this.
0: Um, but yeah, maybe you're not old enough, but the, the, you I, I know, the, I like that label by the way. I'm kind of a gamer uh, I know, agree. I'm yeah. I'm definitely kind of a gamer. Yeah. Like I don't take insult to it Like I yeah. I played a couple games last night. Yeah, yeah, But I wouldn't say I am a gamer Yeah, I, I
1: wouldn't say I am <laughs> either but I have throughout at various p- points in my life spent an awful lot of money and time playing games so. <laughs> But I also don't consider myself to be a gamer but where, where I was going with that is it feels like the early days of consoles so, you know, uh, especially with events, you know, so when it comes to when it comes to events, like at some point, we kind of realized and I want to say it was around the PlayStation 2, you know, early Xbox days, you know, maybe the maybe the next generation Xbox. Somebody, we, you know, we started to go, you know, what would be fun is if we had one of these set up in the corner. You know, and people could just go over and play. You know, an Xbox game, um, or do like a racing game. You know, we even did like mini LAN parties where we would, we would create a small network and get you know four four racing games setups, and people could race against each other. Um, it to me, it kind of feels like those early days. Where, the you know, the games, you know, the consoles are good enough that you can put them on a big screen and they look awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. They're, you know, they're fast enough that you can play against each other and, and, and have a lot of fun. And same kind of thing where now when you're looking at things like Beat Saber and those types of VR games where you can kind of have set up a VR rig in the corner. And have people go and have a good time, and, and it's, it's a station at your event. But watching how we move forward with some of the stuff that we've seen in the last few years of, like, you know, multi-hundred people uh, in, you know, in, in, in an event space, you know, using VR headsets, um, that is where I think, yeah, things are definitely going to start, uh, you know, popping off uh, as we go into 2020 and as, as that technology really advances.
0: Well, I mean, we, there's also some big movement into AR as well, and I know um, one of your favorite failed technologies <laughs> in the entire world is on this techno- is on this list as well. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still floating around though. Like I, I I almost put it out
1: in the in the pour one out section that we're, we were going to hit at the end, um, uh, be, but it's still it's it's still being used in industrial applications. But remember the good old days of Google Glass. Uh, Google so Glass. you know Google Glass. Uh, let's check the release date on that. But it was it was so funny to. How quickly the tech the tech people uh, in the event industry, um, you know, latched onto this. I definitely remember some of our good friends walking around with with one on their on their head at you know IMAX and things like that. And I don't want to call anybody out just in case they're embarrassed about that. But you know, but you know, they they were so expensive, I mean, weren't they? Like fifteen hundred bucks when they first yeah fifteen hundred bucks for the Explorer um, edition. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of those things where I could totally see the potential, and I really wanted to get one Um, but i just couldn't justify the price yeah it was it was april 15th 2013 for 1500 dollars for the explorer edition and you had to go in they would send you like a chunk of glass with your number inscribed on it so that you know you knew what number you were in line to get your headset Um,
0: well you bring up a good point that like this was a failed technology i mean talk about like for example Google Carbo is kind of a failed technology in some ways that didn't make a lot of money. It wasn't really fully done. But now the stuff coming up after it is really right. huge. And so, like, we look at, for example, HoloLens 3. I think just HoloLens 2 just came out. Two or three. One of the two. Yeah. Um, it just came out. And that, I think, will just continue to get some more steam. And I'm excited for how it's going to not necessarily affect attendees, but it's going to impact the planning process. Um, as well. We've done so many episodes on like planning events without having to go to the uh, site visits, you know, what it's going to be like planning with an augmented reality. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out of this for sure.
1: I think it's interesting that you call it a failure in that aspect because it's, I think a lot of people would too, by the way, that, that you know, they look at it as something that failed. Uh, you know, the Fire Phone uh, from Amazon was a fail, you know, one of the big failures of the decade. Um, but these companies learn so much True. From a failed product, um, you know they learned a lot from that product. Sounds like they my learned. Love story. They learned a lot about people's boundaries, right? They learned a mm-hmm. lot. We learned a lot as a society, actually, um, from their release, right? They, you know, they, we learned about style. We learned about people's personal boundaries, like the fact that you could take a picture by blinking your eyes, really creeped people out. Um, you know, people were really worried that people were, you know, going to be in bathrooms, snapping pictures of you. And, you know, it's like, okay, you know, not to get too graphic, but if someone's staring at you for an extended period of time, staring at your personal parts, you know, they've got deeper problems than maybe they've got a camera, <laughs> uh, you know on their glasses. Um, so, you know, you're going to notice that either way. Um, so I, I, you know, I never got worried about that. You know, there was all the stories of people getting beat up, um, You know, because they were wearing Google Glass, there were stories of people getting kicked out of bars, like you weren't allowed to have them, uh, which is funny because they were worried that people would be, again, videoing and taking pictures of people, you know, getting drunk or something like that and getting them in trouble. Which, you know, now we've already moved past that again with our earlier conversation with the fact that everybody's got a phone in their pocket. I think you kind of just assume that someone's going to record it if things go south. Um, So this idea, we've already moved past a little bit this idea that, you know, we don't want people wearing those in public spaces for, you know, for heaven forbid that they actually take a picture or record (laughs) us while we're out in public.
0: Absolutely. Well, you bring up the idea of privacy, and that makes me think of uh, another big technology that came out this this decade as well, which is the microphones being everywhere, right? Amazon right. Echoes, the you know the Google assistants of the world. You know, like this was definitely a big decade for smart voice assistants going a hundred percent mainstream. I mean, just the fact that I, I know it's mainstream when my parents are using it, for example. You know, and that yeah, they yeah. literally yeah, rely on it every single day to do simple things like turn on the TV. How many <laughs> <laughs> and you literally your... as I do that my voice assistant went off playing music.
1: That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't you didn't say anything. You didn't say I any like of the, the trigger words that I, I heard. I said Google I guess. Oh okay. <laughs> Well, I yeah, I think we've got to give credit that. where credit is due. It was the Amazon Echo that really brought this one to mainstream, which is funny because, you know, they they were not, I don't think, seen as the leader in this. You know, we had – I think Siri came out first. Um, I might be mistaken on that. Google kind of came out after. Um, and then, I felt like, you like know, Google's
0: way after. Cor- yeah, I feel like they were Siri very and Amazon yeah. were like running and running, and then Google was like, you know what? We have a search engine. Right. It does the exact same thing. Let's exactly. just do voice
1: recognition across our search engine. I do feel like we were waiting for that for a really long time. Like, oh, yeah. It's like, when is Google going to get there? stuff together um, totally. and so yeah so we now we've got all these like you want to talk about impacting things we have to be careful what we say on the podcast so we don't trigger people's <laughs> devices right you know totally. so literally we've got shlomo and guillermo and you know and madam a and you know senior g and you know all of the all of the little things that we are calling it and yet nobody worries about cortana <laughs> so yeah. just, i can say cortana all i want and it's not gonna
0: impact everyone's anybody. computers are just going nuts right yeah. now like because deleting the tw- the all their 12-
1: the 12 people that bought the Harman card Cortana speaker, uh, you know, aren't going to be worried you, but absolutely it's impacted my life in ways that I never would have guessed, you know, having the ability to have this assistant in your pocket. Um, you know, I see people dictating all the time, you know, that's how they do their texts, right? You know, mm-hmm. send, send text to so-and-so, Hey, what time are you going to be in the main ballroom? You know, rather than, you know, plunking down and, and, and type tippy tapping on a keyboard.
0: Totally. Well, it's, I mean, it it brings up a big thing with the events industry, too, is just the idea that, like, information is available instantaneously. Like, even more. It used to be like, oh, you could just Google this on your phone. But now it's like, oh, literally, just in the room, you don't even know where your phone is. You have to ask a question, and you have the instant answer as far as what's going on. So it's just making this divide, this amount, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just making the the need for knowing everything to go away. And instead, it's more critical thinking and things like that. And I feel like it's, you know, people also at the same time too, you know, are just really want, you know, are, I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even making a point anymore. My brain is brain, going. Anymore. I do that all the
1: time, where I just start talking and I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. About and I realize totally. it about halfway through the sentence. Uh, you know, it's 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 been interesting within the last couple of weeks as well. There's been a concerted effort, and I had to I had to I, had to, I kind of like snapped at my uh, mother-in-law a, a little bit because have you heard about these ring doorbells and you know they you know that people are oh, spying yeah. on people with then I was like I was like it's not real it's not, it's not a thing
0: uh, you How, know, however just- though it brings up a good point though that we're now collecting a lot of data yes. that if these are insecure databases. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. That's a big issue. Well,
1: and I'm getting there. But I, b- before we before we move on to that, I just wanted to you know, touch on a little bit more that, you know, much like the smartphone uh, where we're suddenly having, you know, a camera in our pocket everywhere, we're putting these cameras and doorbells and things like that everywhere. And that is also impacting our world. And I don't want to get too deep on it because there's, I think there's fewer event uh connections at this time but it's definitely impacting our personal lives where you know once you get and i can feel it because we got the, we put in the video doorbell over over christmas that was our christmas present to ourselves and all of a sudden everybody that comes to your door that you don't know is a stranger and it's like you can just feel things there's a little bit weird uh, dynamics that go on about these devices and then you start to feel like well you know what if What if they're just knocking on the door so that they can go around the back? Oh no, I'm going to need a security camera in the back. And oh, you know, you know that I can feel that pull on a lot of this stuff. And when you look at apps like Nextdoor and things like that, there's so much of that. You know, saw a guy. He slowed down in front of our house. And you know, I mean, that was it. You know, it's like there's nothing. You know, there's nothing to it. You know, but I think this. There's. I'm a little concerned that there's going to be this. uh, culture of danger that's coming along with these devices and that you know I like I said I don't want to get too deep on it because it's it's further and further away from events but um, it does bring up uh, where I do want to go with this which Your is favorite like, topic ever it, exactly and I, I again don't want to go too deep on it on as well but this is definitely the decade of cybersecurity. Um, where you know we've we've started you know it's it's been a big push for me for a long time I know it has for you as well um, as we realize that we're we're targets um, and I don't want to go too deep into that but because I think that's going to be a bigger issue for the 2020s for us uh, than it has been I think we're pretty lucky honestly that there aren't more examples of it in the 20 teens um, of events and uh, event related activities being hacked um, this is also kind of the decade. Where we saw the first real malware right where it's this this uh uh specifically like the cryptocurrency stuff where you know we're gonna we're gonna encrypt your hard drives unless you pay us you know a quarter bitcoin or something along those lines uh this is really the decade where um you know the, where you know these attacks became more about money than they have been about you know uh just wreaking havoc Or or Intel or, you know, espionage, those kinds of things that now it's about money. And that really does change the dynamic because now we're talking about, you know, it's more, you know, almost like mafia type stuff, right, where it's, it's organized crime because they're trying to extract money from as many organizations as possible. And there is an impact here, uh, on meetings and events, especially associations, um, because associations tend to have their, you know, their, um, uh, leadership published. Right. So it'll say, you know, president, past president, treasurer, you know, all of that tends to be on the website of the association. And so cyber criminals are using that information to say, okay, who's the treasurer? So I need to try and impersonate the treasurer and an email that they would send to the president saying we need to do an emergency wire transfer because we forgot to pay our bill for the website. So please need to transfer, you know, $250, you know, to this to web company X. And, you know, it's all fake. It's all, you know, it's all social engineering and hacking and things like that. So it's something that we do need to be aware of as an industry. It's something we need to pay attention to because of the data that we're responsible for. Go back and listen to our cybersecurity episodes where you can hear plenty of high horsing about how we need to be more responsible with our attendees data.
0: Uh, yeah, I think we we definitely beat that one with a dead horse a lot, a lot of ways, but definitely go listen to those past episodes because they are fantastic, and I love talking about it. Um, well, I also think that we're we're also moving into this really big conversation around biometrics, for example, and we talked a little bit about how it's we say the words, you know, Google anywhere, and all of a sudden <laughs> it's knocking off everybody's phones everyone's That's going crazy. Right. But I think we're about to see this big move into the future of biometrics. But this was just the start of it. I mean, face unlock on phones, fingerprint scanners on phones didn't exist. Um, you know, voice recognition that it knows who I'm talking to, to my assistant. All those sort of things are now definitely reaching the events industry. I mean, we talked about facial recognition on this podcast in the past, but I'm just really excited. I think where biometrics are coming in and how it might simplify a little bit of that cybersecurity issue. But also potentially create some issues with it as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, anytime you you make life easier uh, uh, when it comes to tech, you're usually creating an, a new security vulnerability. Um, I'm oh, I'm nice. very I, I, I waffle on this on a day by day basis. You know, I'm really liking the fact that my Pixel Four just scans my face and unlocks. It's nice. It's convenient. Um, it also has a tendency to unlock itself while I'm asleep, um, because it just looks over and sees my face there. Uh, so it's it's and you know and that's a switch that you can turn off on, on on iPhones. It won't recognize your face if you're you know squinting or your eyes are closed or something like that. Not so much on the Pixel 4. So because of the way they implemented it, um, you know, a a a, you know, a a bad actor, let's just say, could uh, hold a phone up to your face while you're sleeping and it would turn off. Or if they were trying to force you to open your phone, you can't just like shake your head and close your eyes and say, no, 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 no. It can just they can just hold it up and it'll open your phone. So biometrics. Is something I waffle on on a day-to-day basis. You know, I've also seen, you know, we did the great episode that we did with the Zinnus folks about facial recognition for events and using it for registration. It sounds like they're implementing it as secure and safely as possible. You know, I've really come around on it, you know, that as long as it's opt-in, Um, I think it's a fantastic way that we can use to, you know, to speed up the registration process, to get that badge, to just walk up, look at a kiosk. Is this you? Yep. Great. Here's your badge. Um, So there's lots of opportunity when it comes to facial recognition, um, voice recognition, biometrics as fingerprints and things like that. But, yeah, there's also a lot of potential for danger there, and especially – Uh, especially with folks that are just in it for the money and, you know, they want to use... I'm hearing an awful lot of stuff on some of the other podcasts that I listen to that are more oriented towards permanent installations of AV... Um, uh, talking about you know very freely and very opening. Oh yeah, we've got this great new technology that's tracking you know how old people are, what you know what gender it thinks you are, you know, and and then tailor making advertisements based on you know who it thinks you are, literally right then at that moment, uh, based on just the signals in in facial recognition, and then starting to track that information of like oh you're the person that walked by this booth, oh now you're the person that's walking by this booth, which means you're interested in both. Of these products and that gives me the screaming heebie-jeebies of of just like you know of like man that this is not a good idea to be going down this road it's always the marketers that ruin everything when it comes to new technology you know this idea you know it's the thing with the with the bluetooth beacons right that oh you'll be walking by a pants and it'll say hey pants are on sale that's not something i want going to my phone so uh, yeah great opportunity great rewards great responsibility great potential for uh for disaster depending on how we move forward with it Definitely, definitely.
0: Well, Brian, is there any other technologies you think that we should cover before we do our poor one out for the for the technologies?
1: <laughs> I know we're starting to run a little bit long, but I do want to take a moment just to talk about live streaming. We've touched on it in a couple different ways uh, throughout this this retrospective. And I think, um, I think one of the more subtle influencers of live streaming our events is actually Netflix. Um, the fact that Netflix, you know, even though it came out in 98, which is hard to believe because they were sending DVDs through the mail um, – you know, the first original series was 2013, and that was House of Cards, and that you know created, I think, this explosion that we're seeing in original content in streaming services. You know, we did the whole episode on Disney Plus. Um, you know, kind of being one of the latest. So we've got at this point now we've got Amazon, we've got you know Google doing it, we've got HBO doing it, we've got Disney Plus. You know, Hulu. All of these, and then you know, there's a, you know anybody who buys a new smart TV. There's 47 services you didn't even know existed, <laughs> um, you know, listed on there because they each paid five bucks, you know, to get their name on the on the main menu. Um, you know, my Roku TV has like ESPN channel. Built in as a home (laughs) button. It's like really a physical button for ESPN. Okay. Um, But anyway, like ESPN, man. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm not knocking ESPN. I just don't know that it needs a dedicated button on my remote. Um, uh, You know, so it's, it's, uh, so it's interesting to me, I think, I think the influence there, the factor there, this idea of ubiquitous live streaming the fact you know that we can you know kind of like you touched on with 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 youtube this idea that we should be able to stream any content anywhere anytime uh, i think has been heavily influenced by these streaming services also the idea of binging right we talk about that in podcasts we talk about that in a lot of our technologies this idea that i'm just going to sit down and burn through content over a weekend you know um you know i i do my my five-week class for eli online and Every time we get people that say, I just want to do it all in one day, it's like, well, we want you to spread it out. So you've got time to, you know, soak on it and and reflect on it and things like that. But there's always those people that, you know, I want to, I want to burn through this whole thing in a weekend and just be done with it. Oh my okay, so I, I get that, but, you know, let us it's worth having a conversation about slowing it down and having time to absorb information as well. So I just kind of wanted to bring it up in that context that as we look at live streaming and our content that we're releasing after our events, the pros and cons, I think, uh, are, of the discussion uh, when it comes to, you know, do we release it all at once? You know, do we, you know, th- you know, maybe drip it over the course of the year between our events? All very interesting conversations, again, when it comes to uh, designing your, your social media strategy and designing your marketing strategy around your event.
0: Preach. <laughs> I literally had right. nothing, nothing to add to that one. That was awesome. All right,
1: should we start pouring it out? Let's pour
0: one out. Let's There's a lot so of things that ready. went away.
1: A lot, a lot of things that went away this year or this decade uh, that I think are worth touching on, um, mainly because they they were influential or they had the potential or they you know they just went away. Uh, arguably, again, that Google Glass could be on there, but it's still in there. It's still being used in industrial applications. It's still hanging in. They've uh, they've got a mm-hmm. version two that's hanging out there. Um, we talked about the smartphone revolution you know there's so many of these things that we've you know that we used to take for granted that are just going away um the big things for me and they're still irksome to me uh, <laughs> is you know the fact that we've gone to these sealed slabs of glass uh in our phones mm-hmm. you know we used to be able to swap out batteries um totally. you know very easily you know i love those old samsung phones where you could just pop off the back and swap out the battery and you just have four of them in your bag Um, you know, because you'd be, you know, that's, they talk about the early days of 4g. I remember being in New York and you could literally watch the battery percentage going down, um, you know, as just, just being on the network, uh, there in the early days of 4g, because it was just such a, you know, signal drain. Um, so yeah, being able to swap out those batteries, I really want to pour one out for the headphone jack. (laughs)
0: Uh, for all the audio engineers out there we're pouring one out for the headphone jack the mini headphone
1: jack i i you know i i i've said on this show and on other ones that you could have it you know uh when you when you pry it from my cold dead hands and i did it by accident i didn't even think about it so i you know my my 3a got got a little cracked and i'm like well we've been talking about you know handing that down to one of my daughters and Okay, well, I'll just you know I'll just get the new Google, you know I'll just get the new Pixel, and yes. I didn't even think about the fact that, doesn't that it doesn't have a, have a headphone jack. And literally, I hopped on a plane, <laughs> pulled out my headphones, and went, oh and and uh you know i was like yeah i guess i'm not using my uh not using my plug-in headphones so you know i hadn't ordered an adapter or anything because i just didn't even think about it so i think that's a major influence that that you know that when companies like apple decide to get rid of a technology um and it starts to filter down to the rest of the companies and get rid of the tech you know like not having an optical drive uh you know not having a dvd drive on on
0: a laptop um you know that that stuff filters
1: down so oh, goodbye sure. headphone
0: jack well I'll, speaking I'll of you. music on smartphones but it also killed the mp3 player so goodbye iPod yeah the smartphone wow. killed so many tech, so many technologies yeah i mean
1: mp3 players they were gone uh the the headphone jacks the exchangeable batteries you know uh, the 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 other one um that i had uh, further down the list here uh is instant messengers right you know because mm. SMS, I think, became so, you know, kind of the default. And then iMessages, uh, you know, for for iPhones, um, we lost a lot of uh, the instant messengers this decade. It's hard to believe that Yahoo Instant Messenger and AOL Instant Messenger were still hanging around. Um, (laughs) They actually didn't get get the bucket until uh, 2017, so only two years ago. Um, Microsoft Messenger basically got rolled into Skype. BlackBerry Messenger only departed this year. Um, but all of those technologies were, you know, kind of, you know, just shuffled away because, again, of the power of the iPhone um, and the power, I think, of, of SMS. And I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing, you know, the, what what Google's doing with the new, the new SMS technology. Is it RCS?
0: rcs yeah rich Rich content uh, yeah rich communication standards, rich
1: communication yeah and um you know that that, that's going to bring a lot of that to our our SMS texting uh the the chats and the seeing who's typing and all a lot of the stuff that was very convenient so pour one out for the instant messengers that didn't make it as well
0: uh yeah and also i'm thinking speaking of messaging rest in peace the four 140 character limit on twitter and now you know with text messages getting longer and more rich and everything like that, how just, you know, keeping it short and concise and typing, you know, LOL versus laughing out loud might go away. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and, and I kind of wish they hadn't done it. You know, there was something nice and, 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 and constricting Uh, About that 140 character limit, you know, it made you think about what you were going to say so that you're not just going blast, 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 because I think I don't know about you, but I've definitely noticed and it's not just because of politics, but I've definitely noticed an increase in these like long rambling rants Uh, on. On Twitter, because I think that's because it was harder to do when you only had the 140 character limit. You know, these it's not that people didn't do it and it's not that people didn't Mm -hmm. do the threads and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, But I think I feel like that's gotten worse ever since they they upped the character limit.
0: Gone are the days of press releases. And now, like, literally, you can make an announcement on Twitter and that's considered your press release <laughs> yeah you can make politics on twitter now apparently so things like that as well
1: um uh, so those are all you know these are just some of the things that i kind of pulled down uh i, I threw clout on here because i thought it was interesting that that also only shut down in 2018 you know talking which about is interesting because with the rise of
0: uh, influencers yeah went the one system i think everyone used to measure their influence on social media
1: and i think i remember yeah briefly being into this idea of trying to get my clout score higher and you, they would there would be gifts and prizes and things like that. And eventually... I just kind of decided I didn't care how many followers I had and how many. And I was like, I'm just going to do my thing and hopefully people like it. And, you know, it's, you know, that same kind of thing. Um, this was also the decade, and, and I'm not going to high horse on this one, but, you know, for me personally, I said goodbye to Facebook. Um, I just, you know, uh, that's an individual choice that anyone can, you know, can choose to make. Um, uh, I personally have issues with, with them as a company. Um, you know, you just sent me something recently like, hey, didn't we already deal with this? with the phone numbers and the security issues that they were having around them for me it's just like every month there's another article about what an awful company oops i accidentally got in my soapbox so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna get off <laughs> otherwise i could go too deep no this. but for me personally i decided that that was not a company i wanted to support and if anyone wants to ask me why i'm more than happy to tell you in another location
0: <laughs> over many many beers That'll be an event brew episode for sure. And here's <laughs> one that I want
1: to see goodbye. I want to see finally the goodbye of Flash. Yeah, um, totally. uh, that's, we're almost there. I think we're going to be there in 2020. That's my understanding that it was supposed to be this year, and they pushed it out again to 2020. Um, so that's that's when we're almost there. It, 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 somebody pointed out on one of the podcasts that Steve Jobs, uh, you know, when they released the iPad in 2010, took a lot of flack for saying that you know he, we're not going to support flash and oh, that president. we need to have the death of flash and it's really sad that flash outlasted Steve Jobs <laughs> after all of that and i think that's that's a really interesting point and how hard it is sometimes to kill a technology how easy it is to kill some technology and how hard it is to kill others sometimes even when it's something that's that's been just a pain in people's sides for for decades all right anything else that i missed uh, that you can think of as far as things that went well why don't why don't don't we ask the folks out there i'm sorry i didn't what did you
0: say Oh no! I say I'd be here for years talking about pouring one out for all the technologies I missed. But yeah, yeah. Let's, let's ask the audience. I want exactly. to know what they think.
1: Exactly. I think there was there's there's an opportunity there. I'm sure we missed some things in in our breakdown of this last decade. What do you think was some of the most? You know, I never really came back, so I'll keep it short. I'll tell you what my my influence yeah, was. Yeah, we touched ask on that was my final yeah. question. We touched on it kind of tippy toe throughout, and I think. And it's not something that came out this decade, but much like the cell phone, it's something that really brought things forward. Ubiquitous Wi-Fi. I think ubiquitous internet access in general um, has been one of the biggest influences on our technology, on our events. Um, Again, going from this idea... Uh, 10 years ago of, uh, you know, can, who has a cell phone in their pocket? And will there be Wi-Fi access? Will there be cell phone access at our location? Will there, you know, going from that 10 years ago to really where we are now, even with all the problems that we complain about, even with all of the issues with pricing, even if we have all of that, the fact of the matter is almost every major venue, almost every major hotel, well, basically, yeah, every major hotel, even the little ones at this point have Wi-Fi, right? You know, um, you know this idea that every hotel, every venue is going to have access. You might have to pay for it. You might have to pay through the nose for it. But oh, yeah. every venue is going to have access, uh, including things like hard lines if you need mm-hmm. it. Um, I think that's really done uh, uh, had, been, had an amazingly huge influence on our industry as a whole. Um, so not just having the phone uh, itself, so that's kind of, you know, the device, but the infrastructure behind it um, over the course of this last decade is really what's enabled, I think, the revolutions in mobile app technology, audience engagement technology, registration technology, video display technology, our PowerPoints, yeah. you know, heavily influenced by the type of content the ability to work on it up in the hotel room, you know, the night before, as much as we hate that people do that as AV as people, you know, but it, it, it influences us in so many different directions. This always on access, this ability to look up the question, you know, look up the answer to any question uh, at a moment's notice. Technical directors working on their next show. You know, backstage, you know, while they're making sure everything is going up smoothly, being able to, you know, answer your email at any moment in time, all of that is thanks to the ubiquitous internet access that we have. So while I'm, you know, a little bit bullish, or, or I guess bearish, uh, depending on which metaphor, I getting my metaphors mixed up, bearish is when you're conservative, I think, uh, um, uh, you know, on 5G. I am also looking forward to the next 10 years as we start to implement that and what can we do with those types of speeds? What can we do to impact our events as that, as we now move into the next threshold of, we already have access everywhere. Now we start rolling out the speed everywhere, I think is going to be an amazing Ooh, yeah. thing to look at over the next 10 years.
0: I agree. I agree, definitely. All right. So, so that's my thing. This? Ooh, I like, yeah, I was going to say, I, I like yours, but if you think about it, Because it was on the smartphone... It's
1: kind of the same, but it's,
0: yeah, <laughs> you know,
1: it is. But it is you know, also no, thinking no, no. about our tablets, you know, all of those other yeah, devices sure. that we've got. For because sure. now, when we do look at those Wi-Fi accesses, we are just assuming everybody's got like three devices at this point, right? Mm-hmm. You got your phone, yeah, you got your tablet, you got your laptop, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, I was at an international event, and the the one of the planners there had three phones because she had her international work phone, her international personal phone, and then the phone that she brings when she travels internationally uh, because wow. It's got better rate plans and things like that. So each one of those, you know, having to. Beyond cell phone networks and beyond, you know, Wi-Fi networks, uh, it adds up fast. It adds up fast. But oh, so now we'll throw out the question, everybody: What did we miss? All right, so what did we miss? What was your biggest technological revolution over the course of this last decade? What was the thing that influenced your events? Please, please, please do let us know uh, at Event Tech Podcast uh, hashtag Event Tech Podcast Event Tech Podcast at helloendless dot com. Um, you know, let us know what did we miss? What did we forget to pour one out for? um you know what was the what was the technology that you miss uh that that went away this last decade all of those things let us know hashtag event tech podcast once again event tech podcast at helloendless.com. com. senior Curran, thank you so senior much for joining under. me on this episode
0: well thank you for joining me this was a fun one i think we uh we got really excited and i'm uh i'm happy that we got on recording that you said i was right a lot
1: so. <laughs> yep. You can just cut and paste those. Uh, maybe just put that on, <laughs> put that on a sound bar of, of, of Brant saying, you know, Will, you're a hundred percent right. Yep. Keep that, save that for later. Um, I want to thank you seriously, Will, for, for joining me on this journey. We've, we've basically completed a full year here uh, at the event tech podcast. It's hard to believe, uh, time has really flown, uh, this year. It's been an amazing year for me personally, an amazing year for me, uh, p- publicly, uh, on the show, uh, professionally at work and. And um, Sinceres, thanks to you, sir. You've been a big oh. part of it on both of our shows, uh, the Event Icons Show and here on Event Tech Podcast. You were the one that kind of pushed me uh, to get this going um, uh, as, as, as something that I've always wanted to do and talked about doing. And you were kind of like, Absolutely. hey, man, you should just make it go. And I'm going help, <laughs> to help you do it. And so I really do appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. No, thank you for always being uh, willing to, to chat about tech every week and, uh, and everything like that. So it's I, my I always for pre- you, absolute
1: it. pleasure. And and I want to make sure that then we thank all of you folks because we've had an, a year full of amazing comments and criticisms and uh, and uh, people joining us. You know, live uh, when will thinks to, to stream it to LinkedIn and all of that kind of fun stuff. And and so once again, thanks to all you folks out there for a, a, making it a fantastic year of the Event Tech Podcast that you're joining us. Those numbers are going up every week. So please, please, please do spread the word. Let folks know that you're listening to the show. Let us know what you like and don't like about the show as we start to plan our 2020 season of Event Tech Podcast. That feels like I'm talking about the future, man. I'm telling you we should have (laughs) robot maids and jetpacks. I'm telling you, where where, where did we fall behind? Um, So yeah, let us know what you want to be hearing more about. We've got some more product spotlights coming up. We've got some more deep dives coming up. um, Some more interviews. If there's someone that you would like to hear an interview, please do let us know. But thank you all so much for joining us. Do those reviews on iTunes. And uh, I'm you know, I'm this I I know this is being a long thing. But you know, it's the end of the year beginning of the year. So uh, I I wanted to make sure I got all my thanks in there. But do those reviews. Give us the five stars. If you can't give us five stars, do let us know. Be sure and check us out at eventtechpodcast.com. You're going to find all the show notes, all the links to all the resources, all the transcripts are available there. You're going to find the links so that you can subscribe in your favorite podcast apps, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast. Hey, here's one we should pour one out for, iTunes.
0: iTunes. iTunes.
1: Pour one out for iTunes. We couldn't get rid of you fast enough. Um, <laughs> that was a terrible, terrible app that lived way longer than it should have. <laughs> so pour one out for iTunes. Be sure and check us out on the new Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, all of the places. If we're not on a platform that you listen to podcasts on, let us know and we will get there. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next year on the Event Tech Podcast. Although I think as we release this, it'll already be a new year. So we'll see you next time on the Event Tech Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.